This week, on Wednesday night, I'm part of a community group in DDO, and um, so our DDO community group was uh, walking through a little bit of, uh, of last week's message and some of the, the scripture, and, and a, someone who was new to our group asked this question, and the, the question they asked is, you know, when, if there was anybody in the room, you know, he asked, when the, when the Holy Spirit has either blessed you or filled you or you felt him working in you, what did that mean for you? What was the, like, what changed in your life? And so he asked this question, and then he asked the question to our group, you know, do you guys ever do story time here, you know? <laughs> so um, we're like, yeah, sure, we do story time. So he's like, hey, is there, can anybody share one of those stories? So it was, it was neat because by, you know, here's this guest, first time with us, and he just said, I'd love to hear what that means in some of your lives. And so two or three or four people uh, were able to share uh, just the significance and difference of what happens or happened when God's Spirit um, came and touched them in a special way or, as the Scriptures talk about, filled or baptized. And it was amazing because there was a variety of responses. One person mentioned how, how they just felt so much closer to the Lord and so much more assurance in their walk. Another person mentioned the kind of boldness they felt uh, sharing with their, um, uh, you know, with their family and friends. Another person talked about um, you know, a specific gift of the Spirit that we'll read about uh, today and next week and how as, as, as they were just spending time with the Lord and God's Spirit just overwhelmed them, they, they were able to utilize this gift. And it was really cool just to see the difference of how God works in someone's life when we welcome his spirit. Uh, we just sang about that, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. And uh, it's great to, to be able to just think through that. And as I was in our group this week, it was amazing to hear the stories because it's real. It's, it's God at work in our lives. And until we share the stories, we don't get to hear just the diversity of how God works. And, and we're going we're gonna to see a little bit more about that today. If you're just here for the first time today, or maybe missed last week, or didn't listen to the podcast, we started a brand new series last week called Pentecost and the Gift, or Gifts. Um, and so what we, what we looked at last week is, what was this day of Pentecost in the book of Acts when the church started? The, the, the Jews celebrated a festival called Pentecost 50 days after another festival or celebration called Passover. And it happened to be on this day that turned this festival into a supernatural day in the life of the church. This day of Pentecost uh, is when the Spirit of God showed up. As God the Father promised, as Jesus spoke about to his disciples, and the church was birthed. In fact, some people call Pentecost the church's birthday. We celebrate the birth of Jesus. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. At Pentecost, we celebrate the birth of the church because God's Spirit filled uh, followers of Jesus and the church just exploded onto the scene. And as we looked at Pentecost last week, we understood this amazing dynamic that just like or similar to Pentecost in ancient Israel's time, when God provided the law or the Ten Commandments to help Israel now redeemed out of slavery from Egypt in how to live this brand new life, God sends his spirit to help his people, not by law, 
not by just not by works, not by just words, but now by his very own spirit as he promised to live within us, to lead us, to guide us, to empower us to live the kind of life that he longs for us and created us to live. And so we recognized last week that something happened on this day of Pentecost recorded in Acts chapter 2. And if you weren't here last week, uh, go back and on our website, you can listen to our podcast uh, and get a little bit more filled in with that. But it was on that day, 120 disciples. That's how big the church was on that day. That's it. 120 people worldwide, 120 people. And the Spirit of God comes on them in a supernatural way, a powerful way, and they're changed, and they're empowered, and they're equipped and enabled by the Spirit to go beyond their capacity and be witnesses, to live on mission for God in the world, to live the life that he calls for them to live. And as the Spirit comes, the church is birthed. As the Spirit comes, the church is birthed. And today what we want to talk about and where we're going to focus our efforts is not the birth of the church or the Pentecost moment that we read last week, but the gift and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So those two, the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about it in three ways. How the, how the gift of the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Holy Spirit is in you, um, for you, and through you. And we're going to start by reading um, one of the letters to the early church in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you've got your Bibles, turn. Uh, and if you don't, we have it on the screen. And you can follow along as we jump into this this morning. So today, this is our focus today. We want to understand what is the gift of the Holy Spirit and what are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to continue with gifts next week and just intro them today. But here we go. Here's, here's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, by faith, by the same Spirit. To another, gift of healings by that one Spirit. You can see Paul really wants us to get that it's the Spirit that does this. He keeps telling us. Um, Verse 10, to another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Uh, Father, uh, we just, again, we, we put our hearts in a posture of welcome so you can speak to us, so you can lead, so you can guide, um, so your spirit can be free to work in us and in our gathering and in our community in this very moment. So we just say yes to that. In Jesus' name, amen. So th- we're going to look at this text this week and next week. Um, we're going to just start with it this, this week, and we're gonna, I'm going to take you through a bunch of scripture, um, 
and then next week jump into this text a little bit more. But this is our base. But I love how Paul starts. He says, you know, about the gifts of the Spirit. Now, that word gifts in that first verse can also be the word things. In other words, Paul's saying about the things of the Spirit, just generally how the Spirit works, what the Spirit does, uh, you know, what's the activity of the Spirit. About the things of the Spirit, Paul says, he says, I don't want you to be uninformed. That's his desire as he starts off writing to this, this church. I don't want you to be uninformed. How many of you guys have a favorite store? Anybody have a favorite store that you go to? A retail store? Home hardware store? One of my favorite clothes store is RW and Company. It's in Fairview. It's right beside Apple. If you just, you know, maybe you know where Apple is, and so that might be your favorite store. But, um, and so RW sells obviously clothes, right? And so the, the, now something about this store is the style. I wish my body type fit better into the style. Have you ever, like, you, you know, it's like, I don't, my body doesn't do good with slim fit for some reason. And um, so anyways, and so I, and so, but I still like the store. Here's why, because at the back of the store, they have amazing discount racks all the time. So now you know why I like the store, but they also have, have decent clothes. And I was shopping there once and I remember shopping there and, and they asked me this question, like, are you registered here? And I said, no, and I hate to register at stores because then they just bug you, right, with emails and all kind of stuff. So I said, no, I'm not registered here. I don't think I need it. Then they said, but did you know? And I said, did I know what? Did you know that three days before your birthday and three days after your birthday, you get an extra 25% off on any ticket item in the store? It's right there. It's on, it's, look, Okay. And so I found it. I found it just to prove to you that this is true. And so they said, did you know that even on like, and I said, well, my birthday is January 2nd, right after Christmas, which means everything's on sale. And then they said, and you get an extra 25% off three days before, three days after, seven days, you get an extra 25% off. And I thought, that's, that's awesome. I'm, I'm in, right? And, but, you know, you shop somewhere and then you say, why didn't anybody ever tell me about this? Why was I uninformed about this awesome thing? Like, I've, you know, you shop somewhere. Imagine you shop somewhere for 10 years, and over the course of 10 years, you spend $1,000. And then someone tells you this. You're like, I could have saved $250. Imagine that, right? Paul is, is getting to this church, right? He's saying, I, about the things of the Spirit, I don't want you to be uninformed. You're going to be disappointed if you're uninformed. You're going to be out of the loop if you're uninformed. You're not going to know the fullness of what the Spirit does if you're uninformed. See, because the Spirit is one of the main characters in the New Testament church and in the church as a whole. I mean, the church is rooted in Jesus. The church, the God our Father is still at work, but the Spirit of God is present and active and leading and guiding and empowering in His church. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you see Paul mention the Spirit tons of times, at least 10 times. He's, he specifically brings his, his name up over and over and over again. And he says, you, you know, if you're speaking by the Spirit of God, or he says, you can't acknowledge Jesus as Lord. No one can say Jesus is Lord. No one can follow Jesus unless or without the Holy Spirit. He'll, he says the Spirit dis- distributes different gifts among his church, and he is the source of those gifts, of all those gifts And so over and over again in this short passage and many spots in the New Testament, we get this idea the Spirit is the main character in the church. And he says, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be out of the know of this because you're going to miss something if you are uninformed. 
And so what we want to do is make sure this week and next week that we are, are informed and get a sense of how the Spirit works. And next week we'll move a little bit more to the gifts of the Spirit. But here, here as we think about the gifts of the Spirit, I want to just pause and say, I want us to understand the gift of the Spirit. Because the gift of the Spirit is the Spirit himself. The Spirit gives gifts, but the Spirit himself is a gift. And the first way that we understand this and the first way we see this in Scripture is this. The Spirit works in you. The Spirit works in you. And this is so huge. And I want us to see this because this is so inherent in what it means to follow Jesus. If you're following Christ today, you cannot be following Christ without the Spirit of God living in you. As Paul said, you can't say Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit. And so in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it's an awesome passage. We read in Acts chapter 2 last week. So the disciples are filled with the Spirit. They speak in other languages. Hundreds of people outside this, first, this, this, uh, this uh, Jerusalem apartment hear God's message in their own language. They are wondering what's going on. Peter responds and says, let me tell you what's going on. As he responds and tells them what's happening, he leads them to understand who Jesus is. And many of them, are, they say, are cut to the heart. They, they just feel like they need to respond. And they say, what must we do? And Peter, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, we read, he says to them this. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. That's awesome, right? Repent, be baptized, you know, turn to God, follow his way, be baptized, be immersed. As you're immersed in water, you are symbolizing the immersion in the life of Jesus. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and then, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. As you come to Jesus, as you turn to him, as you choose to follow him, not only do you walk in a new way, in a new life? But, but Peter's letting us know you will receive the gift of the Spirit. It's promised. The sense of receiving. God is giving you his Spirit. So at conversion, when someone begins to follow Christ, his Spirit comes to live in you, to live with you. So that word received is so important. But there's another word that pops up several times in the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts. It's the word filled, being filled with the Spirit. And it's the idea of how that works is over and over again, we, just, we read this phrase, that to be filled with the Spirit. Here's Acts chapter 2, verse 4. We, we see it for the first time in Acts chapter 2, verse 4. We read it last week. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled him. The Spirit fills them and something happens. Everyone, all those 120 disciples who are waiting in this apartment in Jerusalem, waiting for what Jesus said to wait for, the power of His Spirit, are filled with His Spirit. And in that filling, something happened that they were used beyond their capacity, beyond their even natural abilities. In Acts chapter 4, verse 8, as Peter is, is speaking to a hostile crowd, it says this, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit... And he begins to speak. And he speaks to a crowd, like, not like you guys. You guys are basically listening. This crowd was partly upset, partly thinking he's crazy. Maybe some of them want to kill him. So, I mean, I felt pretty comfortable standing up today and talking with you. Um, I didn't feel I needed some extra boldness, necessarily. But Peter was in front of a hostile crowd. 
So if you started screaming at me, threatening my family, something like that, I'd probably like, God, I need something, I need boldness here. And Peter, filled with the Spirit, spoke courageously to them. Acts chapter 6, verse 3, when the church needed more leaders to grow their capacity to serve the many more people who were coming to faith, they chose people who were full of the Spirit. They chose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. This sense of, of they, they recognize something about these people that indicates to us they are full of God's Spirit. They are walking in His Spirit. They are dependent on His Spirit. See, at Pentecost, it's not just about power. It's, it's personal. Pentecost is not just about the power of God's Spirit. It's the person of His Spirit. And so the gift of the Holy Spirit is the person of the Holy Spirit. His very own presence is meant to be in you and in me as we receive him, as we say, Lord, fill us with your spirit. So it's in us, for us. He's in us, for us. The next part is he's, he's for you. It's not just that, that God's very own spirit wants to come and fill our hearts and be in us, but he's for us. And this is so beautiful because so often when we, when we um, get caught up with Pentecost, and whether, we, whether it's the first Pentecost or, or whether we relate the word to you know, the modern-day Pentecostal movement, sometimes we can get caught up with what, what that power does, what his power does. And we, we're going to talk about how the gifts work, but first I want to just set us, set us found, like found, um, create a foundation here. The gift of the Spirit is for you in this way. It's to develop and affirm an intimacy between you and the Lord. Read what, what Paul says in, in Romans chapter 8. He says this, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. This is, this is an affirmation. This is not about what, how God's going to use us or the gifts he's going to give us necessarily. This is that as the Spirit of God fills us, then there is an intimacy that grows. And, and just the language, the Spirit himself, the Holy Spirit, a person, testifies with our spirit, talks with our spirit, affirms with our spirit, connects with our spirit, that we are God's children. It's an innate knowing. It's an innate, uh, deep, depth, deep sense of understanding and knowing that takes place there. So the Holy Spirit makes your relationship with God deeply personal, intimate. You know, sometimes you ask a Christian, how do you know that God loves you? And sometimes they'll give you a book answer, textbook answer. Well, I know because the Bible tells me so. Or I know because that song tells me so. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the, again, it comes back to the Bible. For the Bible tells me so. But, and, and that's okay, right? That, that's not wrong. Sometimes, how do you know God is real? And sometimes someone will just chapter and verse. And that's, that's okay. It's true. There's going to be some days where you will feel like you don't feel the Holy Spirit and you depend on knowledge. Like, I know this is true. I've read this. I've, 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 I've grown in it. But the Spirit of God, the gift of the Spirit, is more than just knowledge. It's more than just what's written on a page. It's more than just a promise read. It's intimacy. And this is one of the most beautiful assurances that, someone, that a follower of Jesus can have in Christ. That sense of intimacy and assurance and what I'm saying, I'm not saying that faith is only based on feeling, but faith is not only based on knowledge. 
or I, and I don't want to say that it's only based on belief. We need both. And so we come to Christ, we believe in who he is, we follow him, but then God wants to do something so special in us to make that intimate. His spirit testifying with our spirit. Tim Keller talks about this, the difference between knowing, like having this assurance because it's some inferred knowledge, you know, this inferred sense of relationship based on belief. But when the spirit of God fills your heart, it's more of an intuitive sense of, of relationship. Not necessarily an inferred sense of belief, but an intuitive sense of relationship. And God doesn't leave you with one or the other. Both are needed. But you would hate just to walk just with knowledge. And God wants you to walk with intimacy. There's another, I think, really big piece that the Spirit does in us or for us, and it's this sense of boldness. In Acts chapter 4, verse 31 there's this scene just after Peter preaches that message to a hostile crowd. The church, the disciples are getting nervous. They're a little bit afraid. And it, Luke tells us that they considered the threats of those who were threatening them. And they prayed. And they sought the Lord. And, and they were asking God for boldness. And I love what happens here. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, there's that language again, and spoke the word of God boldly. This is what happens when when God fills us with his spirit. It's not only intimacy, but a boldness grows in us. And so you just imagine the context, the threats, um, the, the hostility, They're asking for boldness. As the Spirit comes, boldness comes. One story in our community group this week was a young girl who's been following Jesus for two or three years, and she specifically said, when I was following Christ, I was so there was times I was so afraid to to tell my family about Jesus. And then someone helped her, got her uninformed, got her informed because she was uninformed about the Spirit's work in her life, and she just invited the Spirit to work in her life. And she said she grew in boldness. She started to be able to share with her family what Jesus meant to her and who Jesus is. So this boldness grew in her. Some of these kids that are going to go to people in, in lands, I, I've heard of, um, of, of, of refugees that are finding themselves uh, in places like Turkey and Syria and, and Central Asia, and there's some believers in those groups. And they're finding themselves in hostile ground. How will they find the boldness if not by God's Spirit, to be a witness, to be a testimony, to be a life lived before those that are hostile towards them. So this is for you. This is for me. Intimacy, boldness. But the last piece is that the Spirit of God is not, doesn't just come to live in you and is not just for you, but He wants to do something through us. And this is huge because... The Holy Spirit himself is a gift. But the Holy Spirit is a gift giver. The Holy Spirit gives gifts. And the Holy Spirit wants to give each of us gifts. When Peter, in Acts chapter 2, explains, you know, the, the, the first disciples, in that moment at least, they all spoke in tongues and everybody heard the wonders of God in their language and they're wondering, what is this all about? And Peter goes back into an Old Testament prophecy in the book of Joel, and explains through this what takes place. And this is, this is what he says. He goes back and he quotes Joel, one of the prophets of the Old Testament. He says, in the last days, 
God says, I will pour out my, my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. This is important. It connects what these people heard coming out of that Jerusalem apartment. For them, in a sense, it was prophecy. It was, it was a word. It was, it, was, it was a message. It was, it was something that convicted their hearts. And Peter says, this is what happened. God's very spirit was promised to come and pour out so men and women, young and old, will see dreams and visions and prophesy. In other words, everyone will receive God's spirit. And the infilling of the Spirit is for everyone. And this continues to expand into the church. As the church grows from Colossae to Ephesus to Philippi to, to Corinth and to, to other cities and towns, and it goes beyond Jerusalem, beyond Judea, beyond Samaria, towards the ends of the earth, the church continues to grow. But at least in that century, as we see this happening, we see the Spirit at work. So Peter explains what happens in Acts chapter 2, but it's for every church. It's, it's for every church to, to, to be led by the Spirit. And so we find ourselves in 1 Corinthians 12, kind of come back to where we started, where Paul's teaching this church in Corinth. And years after Acts 2 was even written, Paul's teaching them, and he's, what he's saying is, the Spirit is in you. The Spirit is for you. The Spirit wants to work through you. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed about that. I don't want you to be uninformed about the things of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Let's just do a short intro into that and and just look at verse 7 in chapter 12. This is how Paul helps them understand what's going on, what happens, how God's Spirit works. They've already been experiencing it to a certain degree, but Paul's helping them understand what what is actually happening. And he says in verse 7, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. This is God, His Spirit, working through you, or through me, or through them. To each one, to each person, to each believer, to each follower of Christ, the manifestation of the Spirit, or how the Spirit works, how the Spirit uh, is present, how the Spirit is going to fulfill God's mission, the manifestation of the Spirit is given is for you, but now will work through you. And I love this, for the common good. Common good is not just my good, right? That would just be my good. That Paul would say, this has been given to you so you can feel awesome every day. This is given to you so every day you can feel like you're, you're juiced up on something. No, no. Paul says, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So God's Spirit will work through you. The common good is for others for everyone around you, including yourself, but everyone around you. So there's this outpouring of this gift, God's very presence, and the purpose is others. Others will grow. Others will be blessed. Others will be encouraged. Others will understand who God is. Spiritual gifts are for you, but they are mainly meant to work through you. You get that? And we're going to talk about gifts next week, but Let's just start here. Spiritual gifts are for you and me, but God gives us those gifts to work through us to other people. I'm going to ask the team to come up as we come to a close in just a minute or two. 
And when you just think about the lists, next week we're going to walk through some of these gifts particularly and, and maybe categorize them a little bit and, and understand how God wants to work in our own lives through them. But like Paul lists just here, and, he, and there's four other passages at least in the New Testament that talk about the gifts, but he lists wisdom and knowledge and faith and healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretation. These are a variety of ways that God wants to work through you to others through you for others, through you so the church will be blessed, so the community will grow, so the world will hear, so we will serve one another. And if there's one thing I want to get this week, it's this. I, I, just, I wrote this line down, and, and just listen to it because it's not on the screen. The gifts of the Spirit are His gifts to you because He wants to enable you for whatever purpose God has planned for you and for others. The gifts of the Spirit are His gifts to you because He wants to enable you for whatever purpose God has planned for you and for others. We're going to see how that works more next week, but that's to help us be a family, to be a community of Christ followers. It's to help us serve one another. It's to help us lead one another in worship. It's to help us speak a word to each other and and pray with each other. It's a way for us to, to minister to each other. It enables us to serve the world around us. His gifts are part of his love for us, to use us. And Paul tells us in another chapter, which we'll focus on next week, he says, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Maybe you guys can play that song that we were talking about and we sang earlier. And as we come to a close today, we're going to take some time next week and unpack more about the gifts of the Spirit. But today, I just want us to understand God wants more for you than belief and conversion. God wants more for you and for me than just belief and conversion, than just knowledge. God desires for us to experience him in a personal way. God desires that we would be able to write like Paul, that his spirit testifies with our spirit. And part of that is just saying to him, Lord, I welcome you. I welcome your spirit to be at work. In Acts in the New Testament, the the Spirit's work goes beyond conversion. It goes beyond just leading someone to Christ and leading someone to follow Christ and giving them the grace and the conviction to say Jesus is Lord, it goes beyond that to how he wants to fill us and empower us with his presence. So that's why Paul says, don't be uninformed. You don't want to live your life uninformed of this. You don't want to live your life missing out on this. You don't want to live your life on this truth, on this reality, on this blessing. Why would you want to continue when this is true and this is for you? When the Spirit of God is meant to live in you and He's done this for you and He wants to work through you, why would you want to be uninformed? And why does Paul say that? Because people were uninformed. Because not everyone caught it and not everyone pursued it and some missed out and some were content with the knowledge and some were content with just just the word on the page. But Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed because this gift the Spirit, he, is, he wants to come live in you and He's for you. He wants to work through you. And so as we end today, I want us to end with our invitation to the Lord. Saying, Holy Spirit, you're welcome. You're welcome here. And so together we ask, like Jesus invites us to in Luke chapter 11, 
he says, you know, God is such a good God. He's such a good father. All you need to do is ask him for the gift of your spirit and he will give it. So I just pray that right now in this moment, we can invite the Lord to do that. And here's what I'd love to do is, in really a simple way, as we pray, as we reflect on this, if you feel like you specifically say, I, I, I need to, to step out of my comfort zone and just say, Lord, I long for your spirit to work in me. Um, as we're singing, as we start to pray, if you feel like you need to stand, just as, as, a, as a step saying, I want, I want a greater work of the spirit in my life. And if there's someone around a person who stands and you feel like just praying for them, all you got to pray is say, Lord, they're, they're, they're welcoming your Holy Spirit into their heart and lives. We, wanna, we just want to pray into that in Christ's name and just, just pray with them. And so if that's you as we sing and as we worship for a few more moments, if you desire that, just, just stand and say, Lord, I want your Holy Spirit. You invite me to ask. I welcome him to live in me because you're for me you want to work through me so let's do that if that's you don't be shy to stand and invite the holy spirit into your own heart your invitation to us to ask you as our Father for the gift of your Spirit. So we just say welcome. We say yes. God, I pray for the yearning and desire in our heart for more of you. That, Lord, we would uh, press in with courage to pursue you this day, this week, this month, this season the posture of our hearts would continually say welcome Holy Spirit we thank you we thank you because we could not say Jesus is Lord without your Holy Spirit but God that is just the beginning you long for so much more in our lives in our hearts in our church in our city so we say welcome to your Holy Spirit in all your fullness as you long to live in us, as you long to give to us and for us the assurance and intimacy of our relationship with you and the boldness and other things, God, that you are for us with. And God, as you long to work through us. God, I know that you specifically want to use all of us here in a specific way, in a particular way, and you will give us, as you desire, as you determine, the gifts of your spirit for the common good of our church, of our lives, of our city. We say welcome to that too, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.